Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The Brooklyn Nets gave the Golden State Warriors a beatdown on national television. NFL Hall of Famer and Pittsburgh Steelers legend Franco Harris has passed away. And the New York Mets shocked the baseball world by signing Carlos Correa. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. If you look past all the drama and the offseason trade requests and what the future could look like and firing coaches in the middle of the season... The Brooklyn Nets are actually playing pretty good basketball as evidenced by a beatdown of the Golden State Warriors, albeit without Steph Curry. Last night, a 143 to 113 absolute bludgeoning. The Nets scored 40 in each of the first quarters in the first half, which is pretty remarkable. You, If you hang 91 on anyone in a first half, we have to talk about that a little bit. The Nets are 20 and 12. And looking like a team that is going to be a real legitimate playoff team in what is a pretty good Eastern Conference. Joining me now, Adam Armbrecht from Locked On Nets. And Adam, uh, we had a chance to talk about a lot of the drama that went on in this offseason. Now we get to talk about basketball. And it turns out this Brooklyn Nets team can actually play a little bit of basketball. What do you make of this team through almost half a season now? Who would have thought it? Not me. Am I right, Peter? Listen, <laughs> this, um, th- you know, you spend so much time as Doug and I do on the show every five days a week covering this team. All of the off the court stuff makes you sometimes forget how good they can be when right. they're playing, when there aren't distractions, when there's no other issues. And over the last 10, 12 games, they've won 11 of their last 12. You are reminded when Kevin Durant is playing MVP level basketball, when you have a coach that knows how to coach and has some convictions around the way he wants to run his team. And when you have healthy players like, yeah, all of a sudden you look over the Brooklyn Nets roster and you realize that they are as talented as anyone in the Eastern Conference and seem like they really are building some momentum now. They had by my count, nine players scored double figures in this game. And I get it. The Warriors are not the Warriors, but they're getting contributions from all across this roster. And I think that's the thing that makes you go, wait, okay, we know they have Kevin Durant. We know they have Kyrie Irving. We're not sure what they're getting from Ben Simmons, but if they're going to get stuff from not just like one role player, but four or five role players, that suddenly changes the calculus about the, the ceiling of this team. And and I guess I never thought we would be in this moment going, it's actually the role players for the Nets that makes you think, oh, this can this team can be better than we thought they would be coming into the year. That seems crazy to me, but that's where we are right now, Adam. Yeah, the best part about this game, and you said it, there's no Steph Curry, there's no Klay Thompson, there's no Wiggins, and that's okay. Because one of the things that we hadn't seen to this point is when the Brooklyn Nets are going against either a bad team or a severely depleted team, Bury them. Bury them early and often. And there's no Kyrie Irving in this one dealing with a calf strain. Kevin Durant, you basically cut this off at the halftime because that's when you start getting into the bench a little bit deeper. Right. 21 points at half for Kevin Durant. They dropped 91 in the first two quarters. (laughs) So that means 70 points came from other places. 
third uh, third best first half scoring performance in NBA history, 91 points. They narrowly got to the 48-point franchise record in a single quarter, but they gave you 46 and 45, so we'll take it if we have to. But to your point, uh, you know, Kevin Durant shoots four shots in the first quarter, five in the second quarter. They come out really from the outside. Everyone wanted to dog Joe Harris early in this season. Yeah. Guess what? He's knocking down over 55% from beyond the arc in the month of December. Like, it, it, guess it turns out guys that are really good shooting from the outside tend to find their rhythm. Royce O'Neal, who they signed in as a three and D player, has had a much bigger role than anticipated. Four of six from beyond the arc in this game. Those guys had five triples in the first quarter of this one, really set the tone early. And then you talk about the waves they come with. TJ Warren is starting to get his legs back underneath him. Seth Curry throws in a little bit just for fun. And frankly, Edmund Sumner has been a bit of a just a pleasant, shocking, electric surprise. He's a downhill player that gets at the basket. He has length on the defensive end to help out there too. There really have been just so many key contributors, and I can't stop before I mention Yuta Watanabe, who knocks down over 70% of his corner threes. Now, that's a number that can't possibly sustain and yet he keeps knocking them down. So you can start to think about when attention is paid to Kevin Durant and when Kyrie Irving is on the floor, all of a sudden, the Brooklyn Nets have these waves of perimeter shooting that they can throw at you. And I, I know I said this on the podcast yesterday. Suddenly it's actually, hey, maybe we're a problem that other teams have to adjust to as yeah. opposed to always the other way around. Yeah, and, and if we're going to talk about sustainability, shooting almost 64% from three and 64% from the field, probably not sustainable. That's probably not going to happen every game. But to your point, when you have all of these other guys that aren't named Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and, and we know Ben Simmons can't shoot, then, then that changes the way that we view th this team moving forward. Adam, appreciate the time. As always, happy holidays. Stay up to date all here on the Brooklyn Nets by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and the Locked On Nets podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Coming up, the man behind the immaculate reception, Franco Harris, has passed away. Can we pause the pod for a second? Okay, we're paused. Great, because I want to talk to you guys about Bilt Bar's new flavors. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, just cop that one, coconut brownie topper, Built is revolutionizing nutrition, as we know, with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and yet shockingly low sugar and calories, 130 calories. Are you serious? Get 15% off your order right now by using the promo code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Tennessee Titans will likely be without starting quarterback Ryan Tannehill for the rest of the season as he will undergo surgery on his right ankle. Tannehill got injured on the first drive of the game this past week where he was carted to the locker room, missed just one offensive drive and came back to finish the game. Deion Sanders is already making waves as the head coach at University of Colorado. This should surprise approximately no one. On the first day of the early signing period, Cormani McLean, the top cornerback in the country, currently committed to the Miami Hurricanes, delayed his signing ceremony because of a late push by Coach Prime and Colorado. The Arizona Cardinals are on their third starting quarterback of the season, with Trace McSorley getting the start this week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cardinals franchise quarterback, at least for the moment, Kyler Murray tore his ACL in week 14, and his backup, Colt McCoy, 
got concussed on a read option play this past week against the Denver Broncos. McSorley spent the first two and a half seasons of his NFL career with the Baltimore Ravens before joining the Arizona Cardinals in November 2021. Giannis Antetokounmpo and Donovan Mitchell faced off in the battle of the superstars as the Cavs hosted the Bucks Wednesday night. The Bucks battled hard, but they left their run just a little bit late in Cleveland. My name's Shane Pittman. I'm the host of the Locked On Bucks podcast. Giannis was relentless in this game. He had 45 points and 14 rebounds going up against Mobley, going up against Jared Allen. But ultimately, a first half the Bucks will live to regret. Uh, they were really dominated, down 18 at halftime. 17 turnovers in the first half, just not good enough. They are in the bottom half of the league for turnover percentage. Yes, they're coming up against the number one ranked defense prior to tonight in the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, but just sloppy, sloppy stuff. And it dug them a hole that they weren't able to get out of. And this is part of the reason why they are a bottom half offense so far this year in the NBA. They're also 22 and nine, so not too much panic. Uh, you can catch us on Locked On Bucks, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And the Houston Rockets hosted the Orlando Magic in a game between two teams that could only be described as not good, but highly entertaining. The Orlando Magic have talked about staying the course and playing winning basketball. And that's what they did Wednesday night to defeat the Houston Rockets by 6, 116 to 110. My name is Phil Frost, I'm like the host of Locked On Magic. And the Orlando Magic did not have their best stuff on Wednesday night. They looked very tired and listless defensively. The Rockets were hitting threes over and over again, but a few things happened that changed the tide. First, Jamal Mosley with a great decision to go to a zone defense, challenging the team defensively to use its length to get stops and defend the three-point line. That's what Orlando did. It sparked the Magic on a 17-2 run to tie the game in a race of 15-point deficit. And from there, the Magic's poise and composure and confidence played out. What we wanted to see from this game is the Magic confirm that six-game win streak that was snapped on Monday. We wanted to see them continue to do the things that built that win and built winning habits. Well, it wasn't pretty in this one, but Orlando did just that, getting a huge win and heading home 3-1 on this four-game homestead. Here is another story you need to know. I wanted to take some time just to talk about Franco Harris um, because he was that much of a legend, not just for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but also for the NFL and for anyone that knew him. Um, Franco Harris, as you know, legendary Steeler, number 32, drafted in 1972 and had was the uh, play playmaker of the immaculate reception in the 1972 AFC divisional round of the playoffs when the Steelers won their first ever playoff game on what Mike Tomlin called the most significant play in the history of football uh, with what was that play when he caught a pass broken up by Jack Tatum, caught the ball, ran it in for a touchdown. The Steelers beat the Raiders in one of the most historic plays in all of sports, not just football. And then of course, just two seasons after that, the Steelers would win their first Super Bowl against the Vikings when Franco Harris was the Super Bowl MVP and scored the first touchdown of a Pittsburgh Steeler in the Super Bowl, uh, the first of four Super Bowl championships they'd have in a span of six years during the 70s, a feat that's never been reaccomplished um, in the NFL. And there's a lot to be said about Franco Harris. But I, I think one thing that's to be said is for people who maybe just 
you know, you're a Steelers fan and you didn't get a chance to be around Pittsburgh, but Franco Harris was so much more than the immaculate reception and those four Super Bowls. And yes, his statue or his the the the, the statue that's honored honors him in the airport has been there. So if you've ever flown into Pittsburgh, you've walked past the statue of him making the immaculate reception. Um, but this was a guy who I'm, I grew up in Pittsburgh um, and everywhere. I, it, it, every, you saw Franco Harris everywhere. It was not a surprise to see him out in the community, helping in an event, raising money for somebody, speaking on behalf of a group that was trying to accomplish some, some good for the city of Pittsburgh. He stayed around here. He was very much part of the Pittsburgh family. When you just kind of felt who was part of the community, you always knew Franco Harris was going to be part one of those celebrities. And, I, and in many ways, I always felt that he set a tone for what it meant to be a Steelers alum, a, a Steelers legend who gave back to the community and was nice. Because I think there's an expectation now. Everyone just, you know, you think about Troy Polamalu and Heinz Ward, guys that, you know, come back and sign all the stuff. And most of the 70s Steelers, they do that kind of stuff. But Franco Harris, I, I think, set a tone for how that was supposed to be represented by so many um, uh, Steelers that came after him. And there's, I think, few who got to his level of not just being a legend, but also being a great person that if you ever interact with him or his family, you had a really great sense of like, wow, that guy's a, a great human being. Stay up to date all year on the Pittsburgh Steelers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Steelers podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, the New York Mets are spending absurd amounts of money. New York Mets owner Steve Cohen has been very open about being willing to spend money on players, including his latest addition. The New York Mets have signed Carlos Correa, the free agent who had previously signed with the San Francisco Giants. I mean, what? We're going to discuss it, but before we do, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FicklesteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com where I work as the managing editor. I'm blown away, everyone. I am absolutely blown away. I was sleeping in bed. I think the last tweet I maybe had fire up, there was two of them, and they're both ironic. The first one, I took a shot at John Heyman because, again, he could not stop firing shots at Jacob deGrom and another petty article that he put out there, and I said, look at this guy. I, said, I don't even remember exactly what I said. Something along the lines of, him being the smallest man on, on earth because he just continues to fire unnecessary shots when he doesn't have to. And then suddenly, John Heyman is my best friend. I apologize, John. I love you so much. Thank you for having that great relationship with Scott Boris to bring the Mets news of the century. At least that's what it feels like right now. And I'm recording this at 5 o'clock in the morning. Carlos Correa is a Met? Like, What? We know the Mets made a pursuit for Carlos Correa, and they showed up late, quote-unquote. Well, maybe that that late arrival continued to linger in Correa's head and in Scott Boris's head. And then when he is in the process of finishing his 13-year, $350 million contract with the Giants and taking a, a physical, they see something in his medicals that they don't like. And they say, you know what? Keep your 350. We'll take 315. A little bit of a haircut. One last year, and we'll go and we'll, and we'll play baseball for the New York Mets and try to win a championship. It's insane. 
again, I, I'm to, to paint a, a real picture for you. You know, I, I'm as as most of you know at this point. I'm on vacation. I have my sister's family in the Chicago area. I have uh, you know some cousins, my aunt, all in the Indiana area. So I was I was taking a day trip today uh, on on Tuesday, and I was leaving on Wednesday to to visit the rest of my family. And uh, I'm staying in one of my cousins' houses, and you know, you wake up to go to the bathroom, you see this this tweet, and I'm just thinking, what's happening here? What do I do? My cousin actually works construction, so he was up and about to head out too. So I said, dude, I think I'm just heading out with you because i got to figure out how to do a podcast here. And I don't want to wake up your girl upstairs. So here I am. I'm in a, a Goodwill parking lot, which is a little bit ironic because um, there's a lot of Goodwill in Metzville right now. This is insane. We've seen this playbook before. We see it across sports, football, basketball, baseball. New owners come in and decide that they can spend their way out of problems. And that's not to say that this is not going to work for Steve Cohen. Justin Verlander was just awesome last year, was just awesome in the World Series, a place where the New York Mets want to go. Carlos Correa has been a superstar over the last five, eight years. Does that mean he's going to be a superstar for the next decade? I'm dubious, but... If you're a baseball team, especially a team like the Mets, and you want to win right now, maybe you're only worried about what that contract looks the first half. If you're someone like Steve Cohen and you have billions of dollars, billions with a B, and you have many of them, that's a lot. And as he said about this trade, if you pay a couple percentage points over what the contract is actually worth, at the end of the day, what does that really mean? matter. This is about a long-term build. It's about building culture. It's about building up the farm system. And someone like Carlos Correa could help you in a trade in the future recoup assets from this contract. We don't often think of contracts that way, but they can be certainly used that way. He is a valuable asset both now and in the future. At the same time, we've seen this go horribly wrong. Go back across the tenure of someone like Dan Snyder. And you don't have to have a toxic work environment to be a team that spends a lot of money on players who don't return commensurate value for those contracts. And it is often the case that new owners want to come in and make a splash right away. Sometimes, oftentimes, those splashes end up hurting your team in the long run. Now, Steve Cohen, highly successful businessman, would not be the first highly successful businessman who could not parlay that success into success as a professional sports owner. I'm not going to count him out. No question about that. I am not going to count out this guy as a, a professional sports team owner, a major league baseball owner at that. At the same time, we've seen this go horribly wrong. I hope it doesn't. I hope it works for the New York Mets because they're they're a really likable team in a lot of ways. If for no other reason, then they are playing second fiddle to the New York Yankees in New York City. That makes them likable on their own. You don't want to turn them into the evil empire of the Yankees. But that's the playbook they're following right now. We'll see if it works for them.
And finally, is there anyone having a worse end of 2022 right now than Matt Ryan? This past weekend, he was the QB on the receiving end of the largest comeback in NFL history. That, of course, just caused everyone to bring up 28-3 in the Super Bowl, the worst Super Bowl comeback loss in the history of the NFL. Follow that up with the announcement that he was benched in favor of Nick Foles. And you have Matt Ryan's 2022. Mm. Sorry, buddy. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, the top two picks of the 2021 NFL Draft faced off on Thursday night football. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.